We read this day from the Acts of the Apostles. Acts was, uh, is a book, it's the second volume of a two-volume writing by uh, Luke, who wrote, of course, the Gospel of Luke, but follows it with uh, the story of after Jesus' resurrection and ascension into heaven, what happened to the church. In the second chapter of Acts, we read the story of the Holy Spirit coming on the day of Pentecost, uh, people coming and uniting together, people from all over the world, and then uh, Luke describes for us what the church looks like. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. All came upon everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We'll invite our children to be dismissed for their time of worship as the rest of us take a moment to bow and pray. You who shepherd us beyond our wants and fears, you who bring us from death into life, may we this day hear from the old, old story, truths that ring even in this day and time, so that we may more fully be your people, faithful, loving, bold, willing to point out the mysteries and joys of life in a world that has become averse to the great gift of awe. In the name of the one who brought awe into this world, even Jesus Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. Once upon a time, there was a kingdom of acorns that sat at the foot of a grand old oak tree. Now, these were kind of modern acorns. They were sort of baby boomer, western-type acorns. They had a lot of energy, a lot of intentionality, a lot of self-care. They would have self-help seminars like get all you can out of your shell. They would have spas where oil was massaged onto their shells, and they would discuss their wounds that came from their original fall from the tree. They had acornopathic therapies that enhanced their longevity. And then one day, in the very midst of their kingdom, there appeared this gnarly stranger. He dropped out of the sky as if just out of the blue. He was capless, dirty. No one knew where he came from, and they immediately had a negative impression of him, especially because he spoke with awe about this wild tale. He would say, we are that pointing up to the tree. We are that. Well, they thought he was delusional, but they were intrigued by him, so they would ask, now tell us again how it is that you think we become a tree. 
And he would point to the ground and say, it has something to do with going down into the ground and cracking open our shells and dying. Well, that was just the most morbid thought they could imagine. You're insane, they would say. Why, then we wouldn't be acorns at all. The parable is a picture of the world we live in, this self-focused, awe-averse world. When was the last time you were awestruck? When you had a sense of being touched by the mystery of life as if the veil of the curtain had been pulled back for just a, a few moments for you where you saw life more fully and you had that sense of, oh, I get it. This is what is important in life. It's so true, it's so right, it's so beautiful, it's so real. You know it. And yet, you can't prove it, you can't validate it. It's not rational or verifiable. It seems to me that the Bible that we honor is a book of awe. And I wonder, perhaps that's why we call it the Holy Bible. It tells stories of people like Abram, who later became Abraham, who had a sense of awe one day that said to him, you need to leave the security of where you are and to go to a land that you'll be shown and in doing so, you will be blessed and you will be the vehicle by which all the nations of the world will be blessed. Whoa. The story of Moses. Minding his own business, shepherding his sheep, taking care of his own when suddenly he encounters a bush that's burning and yet is not consumed. Surely a symbol of the, uh, the concept of the eternal that is never burned up, never, never taken over, that said to him, leave the comfort and security of just taking care of your own and care about my people. Go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. Something in him knew that this was deeply true, and he responded with his life. The stories of David, especially that we read in his Psalms. The story of, of, of Ruth, who, who is not part of the people she's with, and yet has this deep sense that even though they're different, we're the same. Your people will be my people. Your God will be my God. Beautiful stories of this mystery and wonder that comes to people, that's come to you. Perhaps you can't even call up that moment. But there's moments in every one of our lives where we get that glimpse and we know somehow, oh, here's what's important. Maybe on this Mother's Day it was the day that you first held your child and you felt that sense of connection and love and wonder or Maybe on this Mother's Day, it's that sense that with your mother gone, that you recognize what's more important in life. Perhaps it happens for you in music. Austin's offertory in the 930 service took us somewhere. It invited this sense of 
awe. What beauty there is in this world. Maybe it's art for you or poetry or a story. Maybe it's a story in the news that calls to your heart and makes you cry and makes you see God. Maybe that's what Jesus meant when he said in the Beatitudes, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. This sense of awe that there's more to life and that it's right here among us. Life without awe is no life at all. Which is why people want that sense of awe. John Wimber wanted that sense of awe. He had uh, been a guitar player with the Righteous Brothers. Those of you who are old enough to remember the Righteous Brothers aren't old, are, are too old to raise your hand now, but... They were quite the band back in the day. Wimber was kind of your typical rock and roller. He used drugs and drank way too much. But at age 29, of all places, he found himself in a Quaker Bible study. He said he was chain-smoking throughout the Bible study. But somehow he heard the word. And his eyes were open. And he converted. Became a Christian became a voracious reader of the Bible. He particularly loved to read the miracle stories and the healing stories. He decided it was time for him to find a church, so he went into a, a, a church near his home. And after the service, he walked up to an usher and said, well, when are we going to get to do the good stuff? The good stuff? Yeah, yeah, the good stuff. You know, the stuff that Jesus did. Healing the sick and opening the eyes of the blind and and, uh, raising the dead. Oh, said the usher, well, we don't do that anymore. We just pretty much do what we do here in worship. To which Winber replied, you mean I gave up women and drugs for this? (laughs) The guy wanted some awe. He, by the way, went on to found the Vineyard Church, which is an international community. But what if in each instance of awe, the focus wasn't so much on the results of a supernatural miracle, the the dead literally being raised, the, the blind literally seeing. What if it wasn't tied so much to supernatural miracles, But what if awe was the gift, the capacity to see the signs and wonders, to frame our lives and to live our lives with the reality that the signs and wonders are right here among us? Let me explain why I'm posing that question. It has to do really with the passage that I just read from Acts 2. Let me read it again and have you note how this call or this comment about signs and wonders happens right in the middle of a description that is much like what we're doing here today. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, what we're doing right now, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. All came upon everyone. 
because many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And here we assume kind of a John Wimber kind of signs and wonders. But, but the passage goes on. All who believed were together. They held all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and distributed to all as any had need. Now, either that verse about signs and wonders was somehow shoehorned into this passage and it doesn't fit, or, or, what if the signs and wonders are the ordinary weekly actions it describes? Being together, finding a commonality, Sharing our resources so that we can give to those in need. This amazing unity that we find in a place like this. You're probably sitting next to people that you wouldn't sit next to in a normal course of the week. But here we are. We're all together. It's like the second chapter of Acts. Parthians and Creeds and Elamites and people from Mesopotamia. Mesopotamia and, and, and Egypt and Phrygia and Pomphylia and all these weird places that get described. And here we are, Democrats and Republicans and wildcats and cardinals, male and female, young and old, left-brained and right-brained. And we're all mixed in here together. And despite our differences, there is this sense of sameness that we long for purpose in life. We long for for. Uh, Meaning and hope and love. Every person you know, your friends and your enemies, the people you embrace and the people you fear, at our core, we're all looking for the same thing. We may hate our enemies, but we're all the same. And maybe the secret of life is in Jesus' words. God, forgive us as we forgive those who sinned against us. That sense of grace and community that creates the context where signs and wonders can happen. Michael Coffey says signs and wonders don't fall like a fireball from the western sky and boom. They do not announce themselves with brass and timpani rolls while you wait for literal merlins and alchemists to turn your dull lead of your life into something prized and shiny. While you wonder if Jesus himself might spit in the mud and make you see or get you off your invalid mat in order to dance. No. Signs and wonders happen when people gather in memory of the one who broke the bread and shared it beyond his borders. Community emerges from nothing. Possessions are shared. A common wonderful within us is sloshed and drunk and sung into a new existence where the poor are honored And gladness swells like the full moon at high tide. And awe fills dumbfounded souls with mystery that's secreted into each hour. Tears flow from all who are lost and and cannot explain it and don't have to explain it. Tears of exuberance. Tears of good grief. Tears just for life itself. 
This is our sign and our wonder. We are here. And we share love together with transplanted hearts that are bigger than our rib cages. When do we get to do the good stuff? It's right here. It's right here for those who have the eyes to see. Some of us saw it yesterday at Mary and Bruce's wedding. The community gathered here in this place that we love. We watched them exchange their vows and we felt the love of community in joy and in support and in solidarity. You could, it was palpable. But it was when we sang the Lord's Prayer We do it here on Sunday mornings. On occasion, we'll stand, we'll hold hands, we'll sing together the the version of Malat's Lord's Prayer. And to many of us, it was just another thing that we do. But when it was reflected in the eyes of the visitors, oh, wonder, awe, this sense of God's presence. I felt it last Sunday in this service. Many of you were here at the 11 o'clock service last week. We shared communion by stations. You came forward as we always do. And I was standing on what is my left, handing communion, saying as I do to each person, Christ's body, broken for you. I noticed that the line on my right, though, was kind of slowed down, kind of bottlenecked. And I looked up the aisle to see Burke Tinsley making his way down the aisle with a cane. In 2011, when Burke was 13, Burke was 13 years old, he was diagnosed with a brain tumor. They removed the tumor successfully from the back of his head. It was the size of a golf ball. It was a good surgery. But they found after the surgery was completed that there was another part of the tumor that was hidden in another part of his brain and so they had to go in a second time and do the second surgery and there were problems complications with his shunt and problems developed and frankly we thought we were going to lose Burke he made it because of the love of his mother and father the community gathered around he could communicate with only blinking his eyes but he never gave up His goal for 2013 was to be able to walk with a walker. His goal this year was to be able to walk without a walker. And so last Sunday in this hurry-up world, Burke made his way to the front to receive the body and blood of Christ. I noticed the bottleneck. I noticed Burke's tenacity as he made his way toward Nina. I noticed the hope in his eyes. But here's the other thing I noticed. I noticed that in this hurry-up world, no one in the room was impatient. No one was thinking, someone get him out of the way so we can move on here. In fact, there was this silent, Alleluia to God as we watch this young man come and receive the body 
and blood of Christ, saying to us all, God is not done. It was like a slow motion sign and wonder. This morning I want to ask you, what if there's a miracle, a sign or a wonder happening in your life that maybe you've not had the eyes to see in order to celebrate and lean into more fully? What if it is, in fact, the case that the work of the church at our best to be the community of faithful acts is to create this awe-shaped community that allows other people to see what they may not be able to see on their own? It reminds me of a Bill Luster photograph. Bill Luster from our church is an award-winning photojournalist Bill takes pictures of the most ordinary things, things that you and I would just walk past and never notice. But there's something about Bill who has the eye and the capacity to frame a picture in such a way that what to anyone else might seem ordinary, Bill allows us to see as profound and beautiful and sacred. What if that's the work of the church? To be a part of this world, showing the world the wonders and signs that don't just occasionally drop down from heaven, but that are here with us all the time. To see this gospel as poetry. Elizabeth Barrett Browning writes that earth's crammed with heaven and every common bush of fire with God. Those who see take off their shoes. The rest sit around and pluck blackberries. Abraham Joshua Heschel said, God is hiding in the world, and it is our task to let the divine emerge from our deeds. And one more, Thomas Merton There is but one light, and it is in everybody. And if we could see it, if we could see these billion points of light coming together in our faces and shining with the blaze of a sun, we would realize that it makes all the darkness and all of the cruelty of life vanish completely. Merton admits, I have no program for this. It's a given. But the gate of heaven is everywhere. What if today God opened our eyes as God did on that day of Pentecost so that we might see anew awe came upon everyone, everyone. To God be the glory. Amen. Let us pray. Grant us the eyes to see, O God, the beauty of life and the sacredness all around us. Grant us the lips and the tongues that we might declare 
to all who would hear the mystery and wonder that you are not done, that this creation still is being birthed, still groaning, still awaiting the fullness of time. And may we, in 2014, even as your children did on that first day of Pentecost, may we be open to the signs and wonders that are all around us. To your glory and in the name of Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen.